2: Today on the Zabe cast, the Browns proved they could almost keep a secret when it came to Baker Mayfield. Now we're going to find out if they could actually pick the right guy. Drew Olson of the Big 920 joins me. We'll talk Packers draft, baseball hustle, and the sick Twitter burns between pro sports teams. All that plus sue me, sue everybody. If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go.
0: <laughs> Here we go.
2: Tuesday, May 1st, 2018. Welcome to May, everybody. Let's have ourselves a glorious spring month. I like May in the DMV maybe more than any other month on the calendar. It's where we can get some California-feeling days as it does finally warm up. Of course, the pollen and the allergies are out of control in May. The bugs start coming in in late May. And then it gets hot as blazes starting usually about mid-June. So we better enjoy this month while we have it. Let's get right to it. So I love the days after the draft in which we get to find out some of the stories behind who picked whom. Is that correct? Which teams picked which players and why they did so. Peter King, who I have mocked for a lot of reasons and good reasons, Is good at getting access, and I'll give him that. And he's good at telling the stories of some of the guys in NFL front offices. He has a piece on the MMQB uh, this week about how did the Browns keep the pick of Baker Mayfield so secret? How do they keep that under wraps? Where nobody saw that one coming until very late. It was a late breaking bit of news in which people said, hey, I think it's Baker Mayfield. It was so under wraps that a local radio host in Cleveland promised he would eat horse shit if they took Baker Mayfield. That's that's a pretty good deception right there. John Dorsey is the GM of the Cleveland Browns. Used to be the GM in Kansas City. Former linebacker back in the early 80s for the Green Bay Packers. Has been in personnel offices all around uh, the country. Seattle is one of them as well. I don't know if he's good or bad. I just will judge him based on what I'm reading here. Dorsey, writes King, and a contingent of scouts and coaches spent the week of March 19th visiting four quarterbacks. In order, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and Josh Allen. They dined with Rosen on Monday, worked him out Tuesday, dined with Darnold on Tuesday, etc. Dorsey never told a soul which quarterback he preferred, though he had a very good idea on March 22nd after leaving Oklahoma that he wanted Baker Mayfield. Back in Ohio, at the top of the quarterback list on the Browns' magnetic draft board, Dorsey turned the magnetic rectangular quarterback name tags upright. And at the top of the QB list, while every other name on the massive board was horizontally arranged, the quarterback name tags were all vertical. Rosen 1, Darnold 2, Mayfield 3, Allen 4, left to right. Right in the order we visited them, said Dorsey, and I kept them in that position until the day of the draft. <gasps> oh, wow. Such, what a devious plan. Dorsey is still getting to know a lot of people in the Browns front office, and they are still getting to know him. Throughout his first five months of running the football side in the franchise, Dorsey said, quote, I have harped on trust and honesty. What's said in this room stays in this room. Now he just wanted a little privacy insurance. If he kept the quarterbacks in this vertical bunch, Dorsey would be the only one who would know what the one through four order was. Let me stop right now. Just let, a little pause here in this story, and let me ask you a question or two. What are you hearing? What are you thinking? What are you saying to yourself as you hear this story "Ooh, you in the back mm-hmm oh uh yeah why don't they just not put the names of the quarterbacks on any board and they can keep an internal discussion of which one of the four they prefer ah that's a great idea like the presumption is you're worried that if you put the names of the quarterbacks that you prefer up on a board, someone's going to get access to your precious war room, and they're going to see the order, and they're going to go leak it and blab it or take a picture with their camera phone and then tweet it out. Who knows? It's not hard to keep track of four quarterbacks. And you don't have to keep the order like, well, we want one, then two, and then three. Wait a minute. Was Allen three and was Darnold four? Well, I forgot. If only I could have jotted this down into my phone. That's problem number one. Oh, wait. There's someone else in the back of the room. Wh- what do you think is the problem? Ah, uh, how come these? they're only letting Dorsey make this pick? Ah, great question. So there's no collaboration here as to who the organization likes? That this is literally just John Dorsey himself making the pick? It's a one-guy pick? Because if he's the only one that knows the preference order of the quarterbacks, then he's the one making the pick. And if he's going to keep it secret until pretty much the day of the draft, then where's the honest, robust discussion where Dorsey says, I like Mayfield. Here's why. Bing, bang, boom. Coach B says, I don't know. I like Darnold. Okay, tell us why. Bing, bang, boom. Now maybe those discussions to some extent were held, but It sounds like Dorsey's making this pick on his own. Okay, we now return you to the magic vertical names on the magnetic big board in Cleveland. Late Thursday morning, about nine hours before the draft, he gathered the senior staff to tell them, the order of the quarterbacks, I shall tell you, the order of the quarterbacks. Dorsey said he was likely, Dorsey said what he was likely to do with the top pick, not for certain, but likely. That was Take Mayfield. That was late Thursday morning. He kept the board covered until early evening. And shortly before the draft began, the room knew the order. Yes, they're vertical. You're not going to be able to tell they're vertical. Ooh, I've covered the board. They're picking number one! (laughs) It doesn't matter! I remember when... I think it was the Jadavion Clowney draft, in which the Texans and Charlie Casserly were one-one sitting there. I think they already started negotiating with Jadavion Clowney well before the draft, or they started those discussions. They had made their choice. They're like, "Yeah, we're going to take him." They didn't need to worry about ooh vertical name tags, secrecy. He kept the board covered till early evening, and shortly before the draft. The, cube, the room knew the order. And of course, who the top pick would be. How did I find out, writes Peter King, on the Sunday night before the draft, that the pick definitely would not be Josh Allen? And how did Adam Schefter find out Tuesday morning that Mayfield was definitely in play? Credit to Schefter in particular for smoking out the Mayfield stuff. And credit to Dorsey for having an airtight circle on his call for five weeks or at least five weeks minus a couple of days. Ah, can I just say I wouldn't call Dorsey's circle airtight because you kind of got some info out of it, and Schefter got some info out of it, and that had to come from somewhere, right? So if he's got this magic draft board with the names all vertical, and, and he's being super secretive, and then someone was leaking it to you that, hey, I really think he likes Mayfield. The bigger point is, this fucking mumbo-jumbo doesn't matter. You're picking 1-1. One, one. In fact, it might have actually hurt the Browns, and I'll tell you why. If the Browns had been more transparent in who they liked, and let's say that they said, boy, the more we, the more we look at Baker Mayfield, the more we like him. We're leaning heavily towards him. Maybe the Jets... Who were also horny for Baker Mayfield would have said, okay, that's it. I gotta, we gotta back up the Brinks truck. Here's three number ones. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Gimme. Gotta have them. That could have happened. Or another team that was super duper horny for Baker Mayfield. Or let's say that you just wanted to create a bit of a diversion. And so you you like, you say you claim you like Sam Darnold in hopes of somebody trading up to get Darnold and you then saying, we're going to go get Baker Mayfield at number four, if he would have been available. The point is, they might have hurt themselves by keeping it so secret until the last second. But yeah, the whole thing about, we're going to have a draft board, we're going to put the names vertical, nobody's going to know. Of course, when it comes to That pick, you wonder, well, how on board was everybody? Was Hugh Jackson on board because he's going to have to coach Baker Mayfield? You'll never believe this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Hugh Jackson was totally on board with the pick. I know. It's a shocker. Said Hugh, quote, I'm ecstatic. Ecstatic to have such a real football guy as John on board. And ecstatic about this quarterback. (laughs) It rings of Murray... And Solly saying, hey, great job, boss. Hey, way to go, boss. Good job, boss. You're the best. He's ecstatic, I think, Hugh Jackson, to have a job at 1-31 and the last two years. Dorsey and assistant GM Elliot Wolf said that Jackson was fully supportive of the Mayfield pick. Well, how could he be fully supportive? If he didn't know. If nobody knew. If the name tags were vertical, how did he know? Despite reports... That Jackson was not involved in the analysis or the selection. That's not the way it works here, said Hugh Jackson. We went through this together. John Dorsey came here to help me, to help this move move this organization forward. Yeah, we went through this together. Going through something together does not mean you had any real say in which quarterback you wanted to coach. When you've got a GM picking players for the coach without consulting the coach, Then the GM should go coach the team. Well, he might. Who knows? We had a good interaction on this pick when we went through it all. Regarding Mayfield himself, says Hugh, quote, Baker definitely has NFL arm talent. He has the passion. He has the ability to complete balls at all levels of the field. He has the air about him. He exudes confidence. People will be amazed at how strong his arm is. And as... Hugh Jackson pointed out, Baker Mayfield has the hee-hee. Now he's not going to start right away. At least that's not the plan. Says Hugh, quote, my plan is for Tyrod Taylor to be the starter and to play this season. But I'm not going to stop Baker from competing. Well, good job. I can imagine Baker getting into camp going, all right, here we go. Let's, let's throw some passes around here. Whoa, 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 Rook. Slow down, man. What are you, trying to compete for the starting job? Tyrod's got the job. Chill, man. I'm not going to stop him from competing. If he gets fast enough, great. John has established a good quarterback room with Tyrod and Drew Stanton and now Baker. They'll make each other better. That's not going to change my mindset. Whatever the coaches say, oh, this is what Mayfield says. That's not going to change my mindset. Whatever the coaches say, that's their decision. I'll respect it. Of course he's going to say that. They have obviously said Tyrod is the starter, and again, I respect that. We'll see. I know I'll be able to learn a lot from Tyrod and Drew. All I can do is work hard, put everything out there in the field, and let the coaches make the decisions they're going to make. I could predict you could go back and find the exact same quote from Johnny Manziel and from any other rookie hotshot quarterback. Drafted 1-1 being told, yeah, we're not going to start you right away. You should start him right away if he's the 1-1. And you got nobody else, or you just got Tyrod Taylor. But okay, that's the plan going forward. Interesting times in Cleveland. One other note, on the Denzel Ward pick at four instead of Bradley Chubb, Peter King asked Greg Williams why that, you know, what he, Greg Williams, their defensive coordinator, didn't make the pick. But King was kind of incredulous as to, so you sure that that pick's going over well, basically, with your D coordinator? And so Dorsey... Picked up the phone, called Greg Williams, and asked the question, okay, truth be told, would you have rather had Bradley Chubb instead of Denzel Ward? Here was Greg, g- 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 the extra G's for genius, Williams in his response. Quote, Ward, the reason is our need for press cor- press cover corner. Denzel probably plays that position as well as anyone I've seen in college football in some time. We probably play the most press of any team in the league. There's another reason. I've got video of 28 snaps of Miles Garrett pass rushes last year where he gets within two steps or less of the quarterback when the ball comes out. Basically, we aren't covering long enough to let him get to the quarterback. Miles and others, especially defensive end Emmanuel Ogba, will get more chances because of Denzel. Ogba, Williams said, was a major reason why the Browns went Ward over Chubb. Ogba's a rising star in this league. He says he's got a chance to be... Chubb, high praise. Yeah, but Chubb is Chubb right now. You don't have to wait on the hope of a guy becoming Chubb in the form of Ogba, who has shown flashes. There's no question about that. And in theory, what Greg says makes sense. Okay. The only thing is, you don't know at the pro level whether or not uh, Denzel Ward really is a great press corner cover guy. Um, the Browns picked a corner that completely flamed out in recent vintage. I'm going to get you his name right now. Browns draft history. Sorry that I've got to do this on the fly, but I've got it for you here. Uh, 2000 and Let me go back one more. I feel like Mike Francesa. Uh, Justin Gilbert. There it is. Eighth overall pick, corner out of Oklahoma State. And when they took Justin Gilbert at eight, I don't think anybody said this 2014. I don't think anyone said, oh my God, that's a crazy pick. What are they doing? They, that guy sucks. Justin Gilbert was a first-round prospect. He could not play corner. They're hoping that Denzel Ward is not that guy. Chubb looks like a rock-solid, no question about it, badass defensive end. So, hopefully it works out for the old Browns. Remember, vertical names. Put them on the board and then no, and put them in the order you went to lunch or dinner with them. That'll mess everybody up. Nobody will find out except for Peter King and Adam Schefter and some other people a couple days before the draft. Alright, time for Drew Olson, our buddy to the great white north on the big 920 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
1: This is where the DJ talks don't say anything. Okay.
2: All right, I figure we'd start with something a little bit light here, Drew. On the one hand, I love that the the uh, Brewers are giving away a replica bullpen car on June 17th. That is badass, that little giveaway. And by the way, have they brought back the full bullpen car yet?
3: They haven't yet. They have it in storage. They bring it out. They have a, a fan fest, winter warm-up, whatever they call it. Oh, Brewers on Deck, they call it. Um, okay. Super Bowl week. The, the week between the Super Bowl uh, and the NFC AFC Championship games, they do their, they bring all the, but players
2: they're, not in. You know Arizona, they're not using it full time. You know that Arizona, the diamond, it you know the Diamondbacks brought their bullpen car back, and at the start of the season, their relievers are like, I'm not using that thing.
3: Yeah, we've seen every iteration of it. Um, the Brewers used to get it sponsored by American Motors, which was headquartered in Kenosha. And right. I remember one year it was like a Pacer. Oh, <laughs> the really? C Pacer was the bullpen car. Would drive
2: along the warning track. Well, this replica bullpen car is like a golf cart. With a overbuilt helmet on top of it, yeah. With the old the, hat, with the uh, yeah, with, with the, the baseball bats for the uh, the the struts for the hat. Sure, and it had and has the M, the old M of the original Brewers hat. Okay, well I'm well I'm glad that the Brewers are going to give that bullpen car away, and I'd love to have one of those if anybody on the Brewers are listening for your uh, beloved out of town quasi adopted Milwaukeean, oh. the Zabe. I'd love to have one on June seventeenth, but uh, the fact that they tweeted this out and they added the Cubs. Don't at me, as these kids say on Twitter. They added the Cubs saying, we're giving out this replica bullpen car. When at Cubs is your replica bandwagon giveaway. Ooh. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, wow, snap. I can't believe it. Oh, no, he uh-huh. no, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No,
3: he didn't.
2: Shots fired. Shots fired. The problem is, yeah. I think the immediate return, which was like getting dunked on, was the Cubs said, yeah, we just give away Replica
3: World Series ring. Oh, yeah, Yeah. that's a good one. (laughs) This has become a cottage industry. Social media accounts for teams throwing shade at each other.
2: Right, but just enough shade so that it
3: does not cross the line. And at one point, well, and the Cubs had their say because they swept the Brewers this weekend. They've won seven of eight games this early part of the season against the Brewers. Five of those games have been by shutout. Right. So five of the seven victories, the Brewers didn't score any runs. The Brewers played a four-game series at Wrigley Field over the weekend, and they scored two runs in losing the four games. And they lost all four games without giving up more than three runs in any game. It was heinous. It was bad weather. But the Cubs, at one point... Sent out a tweet saying something about something to the effect of the Cubs just swept the Cactus League champion Brewers. Oh, the Brewers won the Cactus League title, and that so that was
1: a cheap shot.
2: <laughs> Ask if you're going to hang a banner for that, right? Yeah, is that Cactus well, League banner going up in your ballpark or what?
3: The, no, the big thing in the Cactus League, the big rumor is always that you get big flat-screen TVs. That's what you tell the rookies. Like, we got to win the oh, Cactus really? League title because we'll win the flat-screen TVs. Oh, and it's almost like the turkeys on Thanksgiving in Green Bay. You, ever, you know about that gig, right? No,
2: tell me about that one. Ah,
3: up in Green Bay, it's Packer tradition. They tell the rookies, they give them, like, a fake coupon to go to this food store, and they can claim their free turkey. And the store's all in on it, and there's hidden cameras everywhere, and then they try to make them pay for the turkey. And the guys, you know, we'll see how they react, see if they complain, and it's just a... It's a hidden camera thing. Do you know? Speaking
2: uh, of flat screens, Drew, do you know that is no longer even something that's like a luxury item?
3: Oh yeah! Once upon a time, basic TV now.
2: Right. (laughs) It's what used to be TV. Yeah. In fact, uh, I'm looking at a 55 inch diagonal uh, flat screen. It's like a Samsung, so it's not a Kobe or some other brand that you've never heard of. 55 inches for 400 bucks. That's it.
3: That's insane. That's insane, and they
2: just oh. keep dropping even
3: further. And, like, the $30 kitchen TV, if you're going to buy, like, one of those, you know, 12-inch or t- whatever they are, you know, diagonal little thing for the kitchen, perhaps, that looks like, you know, a small computer monitor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those things are flat and, and tiny now, too. And the, Used the technology, be, are you kidding yeah. me?
2: Used to be when you had a flat-screen TV and somebody walked into your house, they'd be like, oh, wow, it's hanging on the wall. Like, they thought, you must be a drug dealer, a rap or rock star, or some billionaire owner of some company. You have a flat screen now. It's no big deal. So back to the... Uh, okay, this, yeah, so
3: this has become a cottage industry of teams, social media accounts, throwing social shade.
2: Right, throwing, but throwing yes. just enough shade well, because it can't escalate to the point where it's like, ha-ha, at Cubs, I fucked your mom. Out. Yeah. Boom, roasted. Out.
3: That's right. It's it, like, it, oh, you can't say oh, that. you can't say that, but you can walk up to the line. Now, on draft day, when the Packers drafted a punter, which... We could argue about forever. They drafted a punter in the fifth round, a kid from Alabama, who I I guess I, didn't I watch disagree all games, with that pick. How much did they? J.K. Mu- Scott. Yeah, how much? How much did they punt at Alabama? <laughs> Not that often, <laughs> right? But no, when the Packers made that pick, the Detroit Lions official blue checkmark account at Lions started sent out a
2: tweet started firing at them. That him, huh? said,
3: the ad Packers just drafted a punter. We're planning to see him on the field a lot next season with a little wink emoji. These are the same Lions who haven't won a fucking playoff game in uh, how many how many uh presidential administrations have we gone through since they won a playoff game Exactly. And, and what like, it, and, shut and what the, the hell up? So What did the official nose intern right. put
2: that out? What do the official Packers account say in response to Nothing.
3: that? Nothing. Oh, okay. The Packers
2: the Packers don't play that, man. The but they, wait, don't. So the Packers don't have a snarky Packers social don't have media a dance account team, guy?
3: and they don't have uh, really. They, they don't do snark. No, that's not. There. But
2: they do have an official Twitter account. They do. Does yeah. the Twitter and account Packers. for the Packers ever get saucy?
3: No, no. It's more about you know countdown to game time and great, you know great moments in Packers history. It's it's all straight up. Like and the Lions, I guess. And you know, remember when being in the wise ass in class got you yelled at? Now yeah. it's it's almost like you know it's the same thing with the video games in the in the esports. It's like everything they told us not to do as kids: don't be a wise ass, don't sit on your ass, and play video games. Is now is the now road now to gets success, you paid. right? It gets Get you paid, paid. The road to success. How about
2: this? If I was the Packers' Twitter account, and let's say I had total immunity and free reign to say anything I wanted, which you know isn't the case, but let's just pretend for a second. And the Lions, the fucking Lions, the loser ass, jerk store, thumb out, we suck, we've always sucked, never done shit in 50 years, Curse of Bobby Lane Lions, we're talking shit about us drafting a punter, I would then respond with a video of the Hail Mary, the rainbow that cut their heart out, with the caption, yeah, how about this ass fucking hashtag mic drop.
3: And I'd be like, yeah,
2: there you go, how are you going to respond to that?
3: Oh, you're looking Jesus. forward to us
2: punting. We look forward to fucking you in the ass whenever possible. Yeah. Lions post the record of,
3: of post your record against uh, the Lions when Calvin Johnson played or right. You know, the, any number of great highlights they could show. You're right. But the Packers, they generally don't traffic. Generally in that. They don't consider that. themselves ab- above the fray. But all other teams are basically jumping in. NBA teams do a pretty good job.
2: Uh, they do. They do. And yeah, I I'm, I'm wonder what the protocols are for who approves. These tweets.
3: That's the thing. Because when it goes bad, they just cut loose whatever intern or glorified social media. All teams now have full time social media uh, people. The Brewers have a director of new media, uh, Caitlin Moyer. She's the one who did, she kind of uh, produced and directed that Sandlot remake. Remember that? From Spring Training?
2: You and I never talked about that, did yeah. we? Because you were talking about how The Sandlot, one of your favorite movies of all time, was coming up on an anniversary. How many years old did it just? I think turn? it's
3: Twenty-five. I think okay, it's 20, so twenty-five.
2: It, yeah, so it like it's, it's a round number. Nice little run. I admitted to you, shamefully, Drew. I've never seen The Sandlot. One of the glaring holes in my movie resume. I need to fix that. And you said how much you liked it. Did you like? Because I saw the remake of The Sandlot with the current I...
3: Brewers. Did you like that rendition? It was, uh, it, by team social media stuff, a lot of this stuff is stilted and for. It was a grand slam, the the Brewers' version of it. So it was, it was really good. It was really accurate. It was really well done. And the fact that they got the players to buy in and spend three hours of their own time doing this was, it's amazing. Yeah.
2: But as far as the social media goes, I, I would just love to know who actually approves this stuff. Because you're right. Yeah. They'll, they'll throw the, the underpaid, you know, $10 an hour part-timer or contract worker under the bus if a, treat, if a tweet goes sideways. Absolutely. And tweets can easily go sideways. In fact, tweets oh. these days are almost like the cheap bottle rockets you bought at a, <laughs> at a fire where, you, where it's, <laughs> whew, whew, Like, they're going left and right. They're going all over the place. You never know how somebody's going to take a certain tweet.
3: Yeah, there's no nuance. There's no sarcasm font. There's no ability. It's You can have 10 different interpretations mm-hmm. of a tweet. It's just... Uh, yeah, it's it's a llama. You've said it before. I mean, before you were on replay, you were talking about Twitter. Being the demise of the culture, uh, and that it was the demise of sports. It's bad, and yet the thing is,
2: there's no stopping it. No. It, no, it now world world it. leaders are tweeting shit. A policy is tweeted now. Yeah. Uh Benjamin Netanyahu tweeted pictures of the stolen Iranian nuclear documents that is going to blow up this Iranian nuke deal that was signed under Obama. He tweeted that shit out, like, hey, look, look at what our spies got. Yeah. By the way, it's pretty badass. The spies, like, walked in and grabbed the fucking hard copy documents. That's That's, pretty badass. That's some pretty good fucking spy work right there. Okay, let's get back to sports here. So, while we're talking about the Internet and baseball, and we're going to get to the Packers draft in just a second, have you seen where porn bots are now invading Facebook broadcasts of major league games?
3: I have not seen that. No.
2: <laughs> okay, you're going to want you're going to want to check this out right now. Apparently on Facebook because they always want that constant interaction, that drip 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 people chiming in, "Hey, that's a great double play. Hey, I think we should replace pitchers here." Instead, you've got porn bots logging in like Jessica Cox saying, "Join me, dear. I'm live." And then the wet emoji
3: oh boy <laughs>
2: you like that you're seeing the yeah. story now yeah <laughs> hey junior like i can see mom and dad oh and that's sweet junior's watching uh the cubs and the diamondbacks on facebook that's wonderful well, i'm so glad he's doing
3: that what the hell is deep throat 69 doing in the commentary <laughs> well maybe there's maybe there's a partnership there's an alliance to be forged here because if you take the average jabroni under 25 yeah. listening to us there's a better chance they know who Riley Reed is than Mike Trout who's Riley Reed uh a triple X star of some repute <laughs> it's a guy that's the guy my uh, producer talks about all the time wink, Riley
2: wink. Reed is she one of the new generations yeah uh yeah there it is American pornographic actress says Wikipedia. born yes. in Miami Beach Florida she's 26 years old so she is in her prime. Now that I've Google searched her, I'm going to click her photo. Oh, I've got Safe Search on, so instead I I get
3: a bunch of other pictures. Incognito browser? Come on,
2: (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. a computer? (laughs) 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 So yeah, so this is going to be something baseball is going to have to iron out: keeping the porn bots out of Facebook broadcasts.
3: Yep, going to have to filter it. All right, let's talk Packers
2: draft. What'd you think? The Corner obsession the Packers have. I now see that I think the stat was like five of your last eight first and second round picks have been corners. Five out of eight the last eight yeah. first and second round picks.
3: What do you think? The law firm of Randall Rollins, King and Jones um was not up to snuff. Like they <laughs> so they had so to go keep, to the well and keep again. throwing assets at it, which maybe is not no, the worst strategy in the it, world. It's really not. They have they had to dig out. This is Brian Gudakunt's first draft taking over the reins from Ted Thompson, and yeah, you think he's independent, and everything, but you still have to kind of pay for the sins of your predecessor. Sure. So he has to dig out, and they had to get those the, the corners. They had to do it, and when they traded down, uh, out of a, everybody was just drooling when they had that. They they, they get on the clock, and it's like, oh, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, and oh, they get they got their pick, uh, Derwin, what's his name? Derwin uh, James. Derwin James. Derwin James. Ah, Tremaine, and then they traded down, and for forty-five minutes, people thought that he was the dumbest guy in the country. Right, um, because they traded down, but then they got another first-round pick next year. They traded down. They ended up moving up again four spots to get the corner that they actually had rated highest on their board anyway. And it looked it looked like a pretty good draft. We won't know for three or four years, but it looked like a pretty good draft. They had so many holes that there are a lot of people saying, ah, oh, they didn't get an edge rusher, and why did they get three lanky receivers that all seem to fit the same prototype? Um, but yeah, they had eleven picks, and they, you know, uh, I. It looks like they got some guys. That are I like help the,
2: them. I like the fact that they got an extra number one. Yeah, I, I like no, that, that. Makes it a win, itself. right? Total win, and whether or not they're lying about, well, this is the guy we want all along. I've never heard a team say, "Yeah, we traded down, and we thought this guy would be there, and we kind of got screwed because he didn't last." But we still got somebody else we like a lot. Never in my life have I heard a team admit that ever. Not once. Yeah. They always get, the, they guy always they get want. the guy they want. They always get the guy they want. They always get the guy they want. And anytime they get a guy beyond the first round that they think is a steal, they say he had a what, Drew? A first round, round grade. grade. Oh, yeah. yeah. The first round grade. That's how smart we are. <laughs> no team comes out of the draft going, yeah, not really. I, Not our best draft. Not our best draft.
3: It's all <laughs> marketing and promotion. Yes, yeah, it, it is. Everybody loves it. Everybody's thrilled. Can't wait to get their hands on these guys. Can't wait for rookie minicamp.
2: And speaking of mock drafts, did you see the analysis of just how well or how poorly the mock drafters did this year?
3: I've seen some. Like I said, I told you before that uh, on my show, we crowdsource it and we have guys call in. And we had one guy, Rob, who's really good, really dedicated. What did he get? He got uh, 26 of the first round picks right.
2: Really, and I think that, he, that would so go
3: in the first beat round. Him, yeah, of okay. uh, players that were picked in the first round, like on his mock draft, not the teams, necessarily, but the players. All right, how many? Pl- how many players and did he match
2: with the teams?
3: He, I don't think I looked that up because it's just that's drilling down. But okay, because I don't know that many. 40, anybody
2: the, does well of the forty drafts that I think it, either Pro Football Talk or maybe awful announcing tracked. Pro forty mock drafts, final mock drafts before the draft. Guess what? the average number of correct picks to the correct teams out of 32 slots. Uh, I'm going to
3: guess four.
2: You're almost right. Three is okay. the answer. Yeah. three. Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network had the best at eight. Wow, so he was killing it relative to everybody else. There was four mock drafts out of the 40 that went oh for 32. God. So they didn't pick a single team picking a single player
3: that turned out to be true well and that's why it's become the aggregate of how many of the 32 first rounders do you get like how many guys do you have first round grades and and our guy who's off the street and just does it as a hobby got i think 26 he got one fewer than mcshay and i think kuiper and then he was ahead of a couple other national guys yeah so he got 26 out of 32 and you know it's not his and he doesn't have any access to teams and gms and
2: Back, you know. back to the Packers draft for a second, Drew. Do you believe drafting a punter makes any sense, period?
3: No, none. You no, don't?
2: No. Because I, I don't either.
3: He better be your punter for 10 years and make a run at your team Hall of Fame, if not the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Otherwise, there's no way. They they drafted a punter in the third round, uh, B.J. Sander, and that was the end of Mike Sherman being allowed to draft. He was stripped of yeah, his GM title yeah.
2: after that. Because the difference between the best punter in the NFL and the worst punter is what? Four and a half yards like net.
3: Yeah. Yeah. In
2: fact, I can look that one up right now as you get making
3: This next guy play. and the guy from Alabama, a JK, is also a kickoff specialist, so maybe they're grooming him to be uh, Crosby's replacement in that regard. I don't I don't know. But and he's also got to be the holder, which in Green Bay, Mason Crosby's gone through a lot of holders and punters recently. And that's probably for the Packers, that might be more important, a more important skill than punting.
2: All right, net being punt. a holder. Uh, Let's see, gross punting yard leaders. Because really, you can't even count net punting because net punting depends on coverage, right? And tackling. absolutely. All right, so it's just gross punting. Uh, Gross punting yard leaders average, number one in the NFL last year, Houston, at 49. They missed the playoffs because their quarterback got hurt. Down at the bottom, Atlanta, 32nd, they are at 44.9. So the difference in average gross punting is 5.1 yards. That's it. That's it. Actually, not even that. 4.1 yards. I knew math was not my strong. (laughs) Four yards!
3: Four four fucking
2: yards of difference between the best and the worst. And when you spend the fifth round pick you are possibly missing out on a fifth round pick who is a linebacker who is overlooked or a wide receiver who is a badass exactly who is somebody it's just a lottery ticket is what it is spend the lottery ticket on a guy that could actually make a fucking difference when antonio brown is a seventh round pick you should yeah. never throw away a lottery pick on a punter
3: no and, the and did. yeah and they did well and then they doubled down zabe they went and got a long snapper So which is more egregious, a fucking long snapper, a guy who's that's all he does, a long snapper, wasting a draft pick on a long snapper or a punter? I don't know. Just shows you that they had too many picks. When you're picking a dozen guys, you're just like, well, okay, let's get one. Uh, The the best analogy I heard was that drafting a punter in in, with one of your lottery coupons, like you called it, is equivalent to taking a kicker in the first round of your fantasy football draft. First round.
2: Yeah. How about taking a kicker at. Any point prior to the seventh round of your fantasy draft.
3: Yeah, but I'm saying that's how that's how egregious even it worse. is. It it's might even worse. It's worse, it. yeah.
2: All right, let's switch up to baseball or back to baseball for a second. So, a couple things I want to ask you about. One is managerial screw ups. The other night uh, for our Nats, new skipper Davey Martinez pulled a whoopsie in that he went to replace a pitcher to take advantage of what should have been a lefty on lefty matchup and instead only watched Arizona pull their lefty batter out of the lineup and put somebody else in because they hadn't actually confirmed it and made it official. Oh, he hadn't been in announced yet with the home plate umpire on a scale of one Ooh. to 10, 10 being you fucking idiot. One being, ah, shit. I hate it when that happens. Where does that one rank? I'm going to go five or six in the middle. Yeah. Do you think every major league manager has made that mistake at one point or another or no?
3: I would say no. Okay. Because there but, should
2: be bench guys helping out to go, whoa, yeah. whoa, hold on a second. Yeah. Did they announce, you know, Gomez in that, you know. Yeah, because you
3: can still pinch hit for a guy who's been announced, but you you burn him then and he's out of the game. Okay. But, yeah, so that that's why that machination, that people forget about that part of the chess game.
2: Yeah, this is now the third major screw-up that Davy Martinez has made in this young season. As a rookie skipper in the bigs, he was supposed to correct these things for us, Drew, that – Old Dusty Baker with his toothpick in his mouth and his old school instincts, he would make some questionable moves, and you're like, I think this guy's fucking losing it, man. We need to get a young guy in here who understands analytics. In fact, some of the guys at our station were big on this move. And now Davey Martinez is fucking up left and right. He he let our pitcher, A.J. Cole, who had given up eight runs, bat with the bases loaded, bottom third in an 8-5 game in Atlanta. So in other words, he's wow. given up eight runs already in three innings, and the bases are now loaded. It's the third inning, and he lets well, him bat.
3: It was his bench? Were there guys hurt on the bench? That's the only way you can, you know, how many uh, relievers are there no. carrying? Because no. in the third inning, you to burn a position player, um, you know, that's 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 an early bullet to fire. Yeah, especially he, if you got guys that are hurt. Okay, he gave up eight runs. Yeah, but he gave up eight runs. Did he continue to pitch? Cause At, oh no! Then, the, like the next
2: inning, I think he got shelled further, and I oh, think okay left. well.
3: The sin would be if you let him hit and then and then re- you pulled him. him and yeah. then pulled him. Yeah, be, but uh, then yeah. I I've seen things like that happen that are justified because if you have a short bench or somebody's got a groin, you don't want to use them or something. You got in the third inning of an eight to five game. Right, runs are pretty cheap there. It's like yeah, we'd like to get some runs here, but it's more important that yeah. we're going to need somebody in the seventh and eighth. To pinch hit and then and then you end up if if you if you burn a player there in the seventh or eighth inning with the runners on on base you might end up pinch hitting yeah. a pitcher. Well, this was so you're fucked.
2: This was after last year's playoffs in which Davy or not Davy Dusty Dusty <laughs> yeah. the playoffs Dusty with a with the bases loaded lets Matt Wieters come to the plate in a, a one run game playoff game elimination game and Wieters is hitting like two hundred maybe he's like the worst hitting catcher in the major leagues. And, of course, he grounds out, inning over, threat over, and the very next inning, without him even going in, he double-switches him out of the game. It's oh, like, be-
3: wait a minute. Because he had made the last out,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. You should have done that before if he wasn't going to play next inning, but okay, whatever. All right, so that was something that I just had to get your thoughts on. Yeah. And then and then you had Dave Roberts in L.A. benching Cody Bellinger for not hustling. Drew? Covered a lot of baseball in your time. Yes. How does this work when it comes to so-called lollygaggers?
3: Well, I once saw Bobby Cox. I didn't cover the game, but I was covering ball when it happened. Bobby Cox thought Andrew Jones loafed after a ball in center field and went what? and got him in the middle of the inning. Yeah. And that's the ultimate embarrassment, right? They substituted him. In the, he had to jog in from center field and was replaced in the middle of an inning.
2: How How aggressive are managers typically about hustling?
3: It's... Um, there's a sliding scale with everything like who's not hustling is it is it uh what kind of not hustling is is it it, is it mike trout didn't grounded the grounded to to short and didn't give you his you know usual 3.9 seconds to first base (laughs) that's (laughs) slow by the way or is it uh yeah or, or or is it you know is it a habitual thing is it was it a frustration thing there is a lot of context that goes in there but it's mostly it's Okay, when when you hit a ground ball to shortstop, even if you're Cal Ripken, right? Your your Cal ball game, you give it your you give it the Give us some head, eye wash. Head down eye wash, seventy percent effort just to make it look good for the guys in the stands so we can tell their kids, see, Billy, he's running that ball out. See that? That's a big leaguer. He's running that ball out. I covered guys who Got into a habit of like they would peel off and make that right turn, but without touching first base on a ground out. Yeah. And Phil Garner was a manager, and that drove him up the wall. Really? You couldn't do that. Yeah. You couldn't just peel out. Like, you had to touch first, and you, you know, you're asked to run 90 feet. I think skippers
2: are that way because they know that lollygagging becomes like a disease, basically.
3: Yeah. Oh, you, I've seen it. I, I covered really bad Brewers games, Zabe, where there guys lollygagging
1: <laughs> Mississippi, two Mississippi, three, three Mississippi, Mississippi, four Mississippi, Mississippi five Mississippi, <laughs> six Mississippi, Mississippi seven Mississippi, Mississippi, eight Mississippi, nine Mississippi, ten Mississippi. You
2: guys,
0: you lollygag the ball around the empty. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you? Larry, lollygaggers, lollygaggers,
3: lollygaggers. I've Sorry. seen guys say, "Hold on, eight
0: and
2: 16? Eight, eight and 16. 16. How'd we ever win eight? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a
1: miracle. <laughs> By the way,
2: Drew, uh, I respect your baseball opinion more than almost anybody. Where does Bull Durham rank in your all-time baseball? Oh, it's my rubies? favorite. It's it my is? Favorite. yeah. Oh, yeah. thank God, because it's easily one of my favorites.
3: It's my favorite. It's. it's I, really I, I've said before, I'm I'm not a Field of Dreams guy. I hate it. Um, I right. hate Field of Dreams. I don't I don't even think of that as but, much of a but baseball
2: But Ron, Ron Shelton in that movie hit all the right notes it was about great. what baseball really is all about and some of the quirkiness of it, right? Yep,
3: okay. yep, it was fantastic. Now, okay, uh, so back, to, back yeah. to lollygagging. So
2: just okay. like the scene in this movie, managers know you let guys start peeling off on their way to first. Next thing you know, they're going to lope after yeah. a fly ball. Next thing, they're not going to whip the ball to second base, and it's going to start affecting winning and losing. Absolutely.
3: I've seen guys, it gets as picayune, Zabe, as... I've seen outfielders on bad teams that, after the third out is recorded and they're jogging in, like the last twenty yards, they stop and break it down and walk. Really? And you just notice like the the bad body language of bad teams. Watch that. I mean, that's you know that that's just it's it's like it's almost openly defiant. Like who gives a shit? What are they going to do? We suck anyway.
2: <laughs> right. It becomes I, a I covered, cancer. I, a cancer on. The
3: I covered team. Brewers teams where um, pre Ned Yost where guys would show up. To stretch, and they'd all have different like sweatshirts and warm up tops on and stuff, and they didn't look like it you know, look like a softball team. Right, and then guys would you know the team would be like you know, a minute and a half, two minutes into stretching, and then the last three guys would pop out of the dugout and walk in and join. It's like, are you shitting me? <laughs> like yeah. the the number one rule that they hand out for every baseball team time immemorial is be on time.
2: And, and on time on is time five for minutes stretching, early.
3: Basically, yeah, yeah, but if you can't be on time for stretching, come on. That, right, that it's going to be it's a problem. Team stretch, yeah, and yeah. you should get fined for that. And guys should light people up.
2: Have you ever with your uh, with, is it your daughter or your son? I keep. Forgetting. I have a daughter. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever yelled at your daughter for lollygagging, getting ready in the morning? Because teenagers, uh, God, this generation, I'm, lollygag central.
3: I'm uh, I'm blessed. She gets herself up. Really? She put yeah. This, Motivated. she was a kid, yeah, she nice. gets. She, I haven't since she was like six or seven. I haven't had to get her up. She gets herself up. Damn, you've
2: you've got a cyborg.
3: I hit the lottery, yeah. It's amazing. amazing.
2: Well, you know what? Good parenting, Drew. I'll put it that. (laughs) Good parenting. All right, you ready for the game that's sweeping the nation? Known as Fuck That Guy, Let's Do It. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. (laughs) Ha ha, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, Drew, who is your All nominee right. for the week?
3: I am painting with a broad brush once again, and I'm going to ask you to to uh, bear with me while I paint the picture.
2: We have a, a prototype, prototype fuck that guy. Prototype fuck that guy. Go ahead. Yep.
3: Diehard sports fan who's got a little bit of breeding and a little bit of cash in his account. Might even own a, a vacation home somewhere. He wears shirts that were designed to be worn untucked. He wears a gold chain, perhaps. Maybe even a bracelet of some sort. He buys primo seats to the NBA Emporium. Okay. And he brings his secretary, girlfriend, Guma, whatever you want to call it. Hired prostitute. For, for a night of enjoying the NBA gladiators going at it uh, right. from courtside or adjacency courtside. Very expensive seats where it's almost as much fun to see and be seen as it is to watch the game.
2: And this particular dude bra prototype he really can't afford those seats, he's, but he's stretching. He's spending way he's more stretching. income than he should. He's
3: stretching. So so then he's all in and he decides, you know, these um these VO and waters that I'm banging for 15 bucks a pop. I'm going to keep <laughs> them coming. I'm going to keep the flow going. This is a good I'm going to score at the end with my secretary Gruma, young girlfriend, yeah. prostitute. And then Russell Westbrook walks by him and he takes occasion to scream in his face. <laughs> Fuck you, or, Westbrook! You put a you camera piece in his shit. face. Piece of shit. And then when and the Westbrook player stops. turns around and yells he, at him, saying,
2: Shut the fuck up, man. He
3: turtles, turtles. and runs
2: away. I saw and that guy. Suddenly,
3: and suddenly, all the money you have and all the goodwill from the tickets, it's all gone because you were exposed for the douchebag that you are. He was such a bitch, that guy. So to <laughs> that to that
2: prototype, Drew, you say, Fuck that guy. I really
0: hate so ass.
2: My fuck that guy for today is to whoever at the Golf Channel, whatever asshat executive that greenlit the worst show in the channel's history known as Shot Makers, where a bunch of seven handicapped nobodies... Play golf at Top Golf in Vegas. Ooh, I hit the target. Ooh, we're going to win. Oh, I'm so invested in these couples. This is the equivalent of dream job, but for the Golf Channel. You have completely lost any idea of good programming at the Golf Channel. So, for whatever asshole executive said, this is a good show, why don't you just say on camera, hey, man. Basically, Top Golf paid us a lot of money <laughs> to air this show, and we like the money. To that guy, fuck that guy! <laughs> Terrible show! Ah. Oh, baby. I have so many good we- ideas for shows that center around golf. Like, I would do a show about dudes' golf trips, and I'd follow different golf trips to places. And take footage of that. It'd be funnier and more interesting than fucking shot makers. But I don't know, that requires uh, some money. It requires a little budget. This was like, hey, Top Golf's gonna pay us money. Let's take it. All right, Drew, we're out of time here. Go ahead and right, tell sir. people
3: your Twitter handle is. Tweet at Drew Olson MKE and at Drew Olson Show for all the bone mots that come from the uh the Big Nine twenty, the big ten seventy.
2: And listen to your show on, uh, on the, the iHeartRadio app. There you go. Get get the app and live large. Thank you, Drew.
3: You bet, bud. All
2: right, we'll end with this one. Boy, is this story a doozy. And it'll make you really mad. At least it made me really mad. Pool worker who tried to drown himself sues police who resuscitated him.
0: What the hell did you just say? That's
2: right. A Pool worker who tried to drown himself is now suing the police who saved his life. Yes, indeed, as the old saying goes, no good deed goes unpunished. And this one apparently is as well. Dateline, Fairfax County, Virginia. Why, that's the county of my birth. A man who couldn't swim but came to Fairfax County from Poland to work at a pool... Almost drowned himself in 2016. He has now filed a federal lawsuit against the lifeguard who pulled him out of the water and county police officers who resuscitated him. Holy shit, this is already one paragraph in a giant what-the-fuck story. The lawyers for this man, Mateusz Fijakowski, 23 years old, Fijakowski, have filed suit in the U.S. District Court in the Eastern District of Virginia saying police and the lifeguard violated Fijikowski's constitutional rights by not doing more to keep him from harming himself during an obvious bipolar episode. The suit names not one, not two, not three, but 11 county police officers plus a lifeguard supervisor plus the pool company. In other words, sue me? Why not? Hey, well, you
3: want to sue me? Sue everybody. Well, why not?
2: Me? Sue everybody. Yes, 11 county police officers, a lifeguard supervisor, and the pool company all being sued. Fairfax County Police Chief Edwin Rossler fully supports his officers' handling of the situation. It's a frivolous lawsuit, he said. We saved a young man's life. He was trying to commit suicide by drowning himself. According to the suit, Mr. Fieldkowski was hired to work as an assistant pool manager, at the Riverside Apartments, even though he didn't know how to swim. On his third day of work, Fielkowski reported to the pool to clean it, arrange deck chairs, and check the water's pH level. On his third day of work, witnesses said he acted strangely, arguing with guests and pulling the plastic wristband from a girl's wrist. After the Fairfax County police arrive, Filikowski ignored them and then climbed the lifeguard tower and repeatedly blew his whistle it was then according to court filings that police cleared the pool area of guests leaving only officers Filikowski and other pool personnel it was at that time that Filikowski threw his cell phone into the pool retrieved it and threw it in again <laughs> this is getting kind of crazy Up, oh, hold on I need my, my wait a minute hold on According to police, he kept yelling, I am the lifeguard! Get out! I am the lifeguard! He stood on the pool deck for several minutes holding a life-saving buoy and praying in Polish while police stood nearby. Filikowski's attorneys posted a YouTube video of the incident which was captured by an unidentified bystander. Eventually, he put down the buoy, walked down a metal ladder in the shallow end of the pool, and then began walking towards the deep end. After several seconds, Filikowski was completely submerged in the deep end of the pool. Once he was underwater for more than 30 seconds, officers walked to the deep end of the pool to observe him. According to a report from the Pool Company, including the lawsuit, officers instructed the lifeguard on duty not to dive into the water to save his co-worker for the sake of the lifeguard's own safety, meaning you jump in to try to do that He could grab you and drag you underwater, and you'd drown as well. After more than two minutes, police officers began taking off their belts, apparently getting ready to dive in. The lifeguard dove into the pool, quickly brought the unconscious Filikowski to the surface. After more than two minutes, police officers began taking off their belts. Oh, excuse me. Bystanders on the video described Filikowski's face as purple as county police police began CPR and continued the life-saving measures for several minutes. Attending doctor notes at the emergency room say officers dove in to save his life after he'd been underwater for only between 30 and 60 seconds. The lawsuit alleges the misrepresentations from police affected Filikowski's due process in that he didn't receive the treatment appropriate for somebody who had been underwater for several minutes. Rossler, the Fairfax County police chief, said the officers were exercising a plan of using time and distance to diffuse the situation with the young man who is clearly having a mental health episode. When it became apparent he had drowned himself. We executed the plan. And it's clear from the video that we saved his life. Filikowski remained in Fairfax Inova Heart and Vascular Clinic until June 8th. When he was transferred to a psychiatric unit for six days. He was diagnosed then with bipolar disorder. Here's the kicker. His attorneys say that Mr. Filikowski has returned to Poland with his father. In their suit. They say the officers should have taken Filikowski into custody before he ever had a chance to enter the water for a third time. Okay. 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 That's great. Boy, I'd love to know does Mr. Filikowski, is he a citizen? Does he pay taxes? Who paid for that hospital stay? Um, why is he not in the States again? I mean, it just it's this is why whenever the police, you know. Whenever the police get in an incident with somebody who's crazy and there seemingly is excessive force being used, we I think it'd be smart for everyone to go, okay, let's just stop for a second. This looks bad, excessive force on somebody who is mentally disabled or is having a mental moment. But you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. They gave this guy space and they're like, okay, let's not go and taser him on the pool deck. And, and cuff him because someone's here with a cell phone. They're going to go, look at the mistreatment of this poor kid who is just trying to work at a pool. And they concoct this sweet tale of Mr. Filikowski, who had come here from Poland. I wanted to be American. And this is how the police treat me. I was I was trying to get the pool ready. It'd be a whole different story. I'm sorry that, you know, he tried to kill himself and maybe suffered some brain damage. He's alive, though. At least there's that. But still, man, absolutely ridiculous. Sue me? Yeah, sue everybody. Hey, well, You want to sue me? But why not? Me? Sue everybody. We'll say this, mad props to the guy for being able to walk himself directly into the deep end of a pool and stay underwater and drown. Like, that's pretty badass, actually. Like, okay, that's it, watch this. bloop, 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 bloop. And then just stay down. But he's alive, and now... Fairfax County is getting sued. Eh, sure that won't cost any money to the county to defend this lawsuit. Nah! Why nah it'll be free, right? Yeah, the lawyers don't cost any money. Okay, I'm gonna stop right now before I get any more angry. That'll be a wrap for today. You know the drill. Tell two friends and your priest, leave a positive review, download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google, Play Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and more. And as Chief Martin Brody said in the movie Jaws, we're gonna need a bigger boat. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.